right, good morning. Good morning. Very good. We had a good day yesterday, great weather. We've had in the past some weather that's so hot you just can't hardly breathe out, outside. And uh, we had a nice cloud cover yesterday, nice breeze, wasn't too terrible. So thank the Lord for that. Um, let's review quickly just what the main topics we've talked about. So we're talking about metaphors in the Bible, and we are now through six of those. We had two the first week. And then one each week for the, uh, for the last four. So can anybody give me one of the metaphors that we've talked about? Brother Ryan. A runner in the Christian race. Very good. Give me another one. Brother Josh. Soldier. Very good. Light and salt. There's four of them. All right. We've got two more. A farmer. All right. And what's the last one? A student. Very good. Very good. So we've got all of them. And now we are going to start on our seventh one, even though this is our, it's lesson six in, in my curriculum, but it's our seventh metaphor. And that is a sheep uh, in the flock of Christ. And, I, and we hear a lot of preaching on this, uh, so it's nothing new to us. None of these are, are new to us. Uh, but we're going we're gonna, to uh, drill down and, and look at some pretty specific things about uh, sheep and how we uh, are compared to sheep in the flock of Christ. So turn to uh, Psalm chapter 95. We're going to have two, two verses here in Psalms, one you know very well. Uh, and Psalm chapter 95 is familiar, but you may not have known it was here in this chapter. So Psalm chapter 95, we're going to read these two verses and then we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Psalm chapter 95 verse 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. So we are definitely combining this metaphor, right, with sheep and people, with the people of his pasture. We don't go to pasture. Sheep do that. So that's, this is the metaphor that David is using here. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, but uh, the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then Psalm chapter 100, just a page or two over, in verse 3. Psalm chapter 100 and verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we're going to talk about that metaphor today the sheep uh, in the flock of Christ. Let's pray, and we'll get into the lesson. Father, I thank you again for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the, for the good day we had yesterday, the beautiful weather. God, I, I just pray that you would continue to use this church uh, to bring souls to you. And uh, God, that's, that's our desire. That's our, uh, our one goal. And uh, God, then to, to also uh, raise our children for you, God. And it's a, a full-time job that we have doing that. And I pray it would be a serious one for us, that we would uh, do everything we can to, uh, to have them give their hearts to you. And I pray that... that they would surrender their lives to you, that we would as well, and that everything uh, that you want us to do, and we'll talk about that today in this lesson, uh, that we would be willing to be led by you. I pray that you would just give us a good day here in Sunday school and a good service to follow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sheep <clears throat> have been in the Middle East for centuries and centuries, if not millennia. And uh, the problem with sheep is, well, we're going to talk about that in a second. The reason that uh, these Middle Eastern, you think of, think of Job, right? How does the Bible, does the Bible say he had a lot of money? 
Not necessarily. He may have. He may have had a bunch of gold. But the Bible uh, tells us his wealth was in his sheep and in his camels and, and all the rest of that. So in the Middle East, that's how they were. They didn't have, you couldn't really grow huge amounts of crops because of the desert area. So a man's wealth was measured in the size of his flock. And what would happen if uh, it was definitely a family business? Uh, shepherding was a family business. So the, the father, and that's why it was so important for a father to have sons. His daughters weren't out there shepherding with him. He needed boys, uh, which is interesting to me that um, Jacob had 12 sons, right? Imagine a sheep that he could, could have with 12 built-in shepherds. And, uh, and when, they, when Joseph went to see them in Goshen, that's what they were doing. You know why they were in Goshen? They had to go, travel so far to give their sheep a place to graze because we'll talk about it in a second, but uh, when sheep eat, they eat all the way down to the roots and they kill everything. Everything they eat will die if you leave them there. As soon as a shoot comes up, they'll eat it. And so you have to keep them moving. But that's why they were in Goshen. They were, they were trying to find pasture for their sheep to graze on. And being in the Middle East, it doesn't grow that well. So they had to go a long distance away to do that. But what would happen if a man didn't have sons enough to care for his sheep, uh, but he had enough flocks, he was wealthy, enough, enough of the, the, a big enough herd, he would have to hire shepherds, which is where the under-shepherd comes from, right? Uh, that, a, that a pastor is, is described as in the Bible. But he'd, he'd have to hire another shepherd. Now, if you've ever owned a business, or uh, my dad owned a business my whole entire life growing up, nobody runs that business like the owner, right? When, when it's your business, when it's your name on the line, when it's your livelihood, nobody runs that business like you do. So when you get a, a laborer, they're there for the paycheck. And I, and I mean, I don't blame them on that. That's what I, I don't go do my job because I love it. I do it because that's what I make a living doing. But nobody takes care of those sheep like the, like the shepherd that owns them. And so he has to be very careful in who he picks to help him uh, in this in this shepherding um, but the Bible tells us here in Psalm chapter 95 and Psalm 100 that the good shepherd himself cares for us Jesus God is our shepherd Psalm 100 verse 3 know ye not know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture he and we saw that in verse 7 of chapter 95 we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You know how that's important? We're not under another under shepherd. There's not another shepherd that God says, man, I, don't, I got too many flocks. Y'all are going to have to go with him. We are the sheep of his hand, it says. He personally leads us, takes care of us, and guides us. So we are the sheep of his fold. And, and, and in that, um, we do not have to fear any harm coming to us. Now, we're going to look at a few things here in this lesson that are important for us to, to stay out of that trouble. God's there. He's shepherding us. He's, he's going to protect us. But there's also times when a sheep can get outside of that protection uh, of his own doing. Uh, why do you think in the, in the Gospels, Jesus gives that parable of the shepherd that went out after that one sheep? What happened to that one sheep? He wandered out of the protection of the shepherd. Now, the shepherd goes back after him, uh, and goes to find him and, and try to save him, but he, he left the protection of the fold, and that's what that, that story is about. So the first thing here with, with uh, a sheep is we have to hear the shepherd's voice. 
And how do we, this is a question, this is not a rhetorical, how do we hear the shepherd's voice? In what ways? Pretty simple. The Bible is definitely uh, the, the number one, I think. And what's another way? The Holy Spirit leading us. And, and this is one thing, I already mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but this is one thing we're working on in our house for myself as well. I was even thinking about it uh, last night. I took the dog for a walk and, and uh, was thinking about this, that we're working so hard on, on Emma walking in the Spirit. But what about me? Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I not just acting when I come to church, uh, acting nice and acting, you know, the fruit of the Spirit? Am I actually walking in the Spirit? And that's second nature to me because that is the fruit of my life. Am I walking in the Spirit? So, yes, walking in the Spirit. What's another way? Prayer. Prayer. No, I think those are the three main ways. Prayer, Bible reading, and then being led by the Holy Spirit. Prayer and Bible reading are, are pretty... Uh, in my opinion, they're kind of like, kind of like tithing. Just do it. Just get in your Bible and read it. Just spend time praying. Walking in the Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit, I think, is is not hard, but it's harder for us because of our our flesh and everything else. And I, I told my uh, brother this, and he said I need to I need to preach on that. But I was talking to Emma, uh, probably a week ago, and I said, um, she she's. We were talking about walking in the Spirit, and she said, I, I want to, but I can't. I said, what do you mean you can't? I even pray and ask God to help me, and he doesn't. And I said, well, there is such a thing as grieving the Holy Spirit where he stops leading you. And, and she said, there is? And, he, and so I was telling my brother that. He said, oh, I, I need to preach on that then. Uh, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit, and that's what I mean. You, you sin, you sin, and it's not even necessarily sin. Remember last week we talked about the weights, right? There may be things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do, but we're so preoccupied with other things, we don't do them. And when he nudges us, remember, what is, how does the Holy Spirit talk to us? Still small voice, right? It's, he doesn't scream and holler at us. It's a still small voice. And when we won't listen to that, eventually he stops talking to us. And that's a dangerous place to be. Uh, grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. It's not a lesson on the Holy Spirit, but that's a dangerous place to be. So first of all, we need to hear the shepherd's voice. Uh, when I was, I think I've told you all this before, but when Emma was, especially when she was small, um, I, would, I would always say, Emma, you know, when she was little, and she'd turn around and smile. Well, then I just started doing this little whistle. I'd go, and she'd turn around and smile. Well, I did it so much, now the, the dog would start turning around when I whistled like that. He would turn, he'd turn around because it's like calling somebody's name. But we ha- the, the shepherd has a distinct voice that we need to be listening for. Um, and this, this goes without saying, you know, we want our children to obey so that if they get into a dangerous position in, or a dangerous spot when they're, as they're growing up and we tell them to do something, they should stop right away. That's great for obedience, but the Holy Spirit doesn't scream, stop! to us when we're going in the wrong direction it's a still small voice that he says hey hey you know you shouldn't be doing that and we need to be listening closely enough that we can hear that voice and sometimes we hear it we ignore it and that's what I'm talking about grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit but um, I got I got a quick story for you I had a perfect example when we were growing up we always had a wood stove in the in the living room that's what we heated our house with and it was we didn't think anything of it because we were so used to it being there but when people would come over we would have uh 
um, company over and they had little kids, it was actually a big deal that, man, you got to keep them away from that stove. Keep so it was one of the first things my dad would say when somebody, when they came in the house, he'd say, hey, the wood stove is running. Make sure your kids don't touch it. And almost always the parents would go, hey, don't touch that stove. It's hot. And they would sometimes take them over there. This is hot. This is hot because the kid doesn't know what a wood stove is. Well, I don't remember if it was my cousin or just somebody uh, from the church that came over. My dad said, hey, wood stove is running, so make sure your kids don't touch it. And the dad turned to that kid and said, hey, don't touch the stove. And it was like he was telling him, go touch the stove. The kid went right over there and touched it with both hands and then screamed. Well, if he'd have obeyed, he'd have been fine, right? That's, but sometimes we act that same way with God. God tells us exactly what to do, and we do the opposite. Why? Because we're stubborn. It's not because we're stupid. It's because we're stubborn. But <clears throat> we need to hear the shepherd's voice. And we already talked about this. We need to constantly be feeding. Does anybody know what an animal is called that chews its cud? Do you know what the actual term for that is, Brother Kevin? It's a ruminant. Yeah, it's a ruminator. So it's a, it, the actual term is a ruminant. Uh, but cattle, sheep, they chew their cud. Camels do it. But what it is is they have different um, stomachs, and they, they basically bring, it back, bring the food back up and chew it again. For what purpose? It's not because they're bored and, you know, it's just something to pass the time. It's to get more nutrients out of that food. Then they swallow it again. It goes into a different chamber of their stomach. They, they bring it up again, chew it again, and get more nutrients out. This, this is, I don't know if God had this in mind when he, when he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to my people as sheep. But it's definitely a good, uh, a good correlation. We need to be bringing the word of God back up over and over throughout the day. And, and this is what meditating is. Meditating is not sitting there in a trance-like state. And try, I don't even know how to do it. But in a trance-like state, trying to find ourselves. That's not what meditating is. It's what it means today. But meditating is bringing it back up, turning it around in our minds, seeing what, if there's any other angle we can, we can learn from this, if we can uh, get something else from God. If nothing else, uh, it, it occupies our mind. I was almost said, what does the Bible say? But what is that old phrase? The, devil's, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. If we're meditating on God's word, it's going to keep us out of a lot of... A lot of trouble. But Job says that I have esteemed the words of my mouth more than my of his mouth more than my necessary food. We read that verse a couple weeks ago. But Psalm chapter 34, verse 8. Very familiar verse. But oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That has everything to do with feeding on God's word. Taste and see. Take God's word and then put it to the test. I heard a story a long time ago. And I may tell the story wrong, but it's, it was an old lady in the church, and, and the pastor found her Bible. She had left it, uh, left it on, the, on the seat when she went to do something, and he found it and didn't know whose it was, so he picked it up. And inside the Bible, all down, like all over the place, he was looking through it, trying to figure out whose Bible it was, and it had TP all over the place, down the, down the columns. And uh, he could not for the life of him figure out what TP meant in her Bible. And he finally figured out whose it was when she came back in. She sat down. And he was like, oh, that's her Bible. So he went and asked her. He said, I, I have to know. What does TP mean? And she said, oh, everywhere you see that, there's a promise in God's word. T is tried and P is proven. I've tried it and I've proven it. And so when I, when I test it and God proves himself true in his promise, I put a, a P next to it. It's tried and proven. And I think that's what we need. That's what Psalm uh, David's saying here in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. 
taste and see for yourself. Uh, you, you, any restaurant, oh man, you gotta taste this, but until you taste it yourself, you may not even like it. Nah, that's nasty, but somebody else's taste buds are different, they might like it. And, and David's saying that here, taste and see. Do it yourself and see if the Lord is good. Don't take the pastor's word for it. Then in Psalm 119, he says this, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And I know we hear this all the time um, about God's word being so sweet. And, and I think sometimes as kids growing up, uh, maybe even young adults, maybe even older adults, we think, man, if I could get to that point, if I, if I could get to where I truly love God's word like that, and I think many of us don't ever get to that point. We know it's sweet. We know it's what we need. We, and, we, and we see somebody else who just loves God's word, and we aspire to be like that, but we don't ever get there ourselves. Um, and, and the only way to do that is to spend time in God's word, constantly feed on God's word. Taste and see for yourself uh, what that is. What, what that goodness is in God's word. Now, uh, Paul tells the, the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I think a big part of the problem was they were not taking what they had been taught and mulling it over in their minds and thinking about it. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And then Hebrews chapter 5, Verse 12 says this, for when, the for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. He's, he's telling these people, you should be teaching other people, and I'm back here teaching you and not even teaching you meat. I've got to give you milk because you're not, uh, I'm teaching you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Because you're, you're weak, they were not taking what they had learned and, and building on it or, or thinking about it and, and growing. Um, and I read this verse a couple weeks ago, but I think it's a good one. It's still Hebrews chapter 5, but it's verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's, that's a strong Christian who is able to digest meat. By reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Um, but it doesn't just come with age. Um, Pastor mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, he said his father-in-law used to say that, you don't have any sense till you're 40, and then even it's not guaranteed after that. But just because you get to be an older Christian doesn't mean you all of a sudden have wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. And how do we get wisdom from God? From his word. If you're not spending time in his word, you're not, you're not a wise, mature, complete Christian. There's just no way around it. You're not going to be. That is how we grow. All right. And then there's, I got a whole bunch of verses, but I'm just going to go to Psalm chapter 119, if you will. While you're going there, Joshua says this in chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When? When you're spending time day and night in God's word, meditating on it. Psalm chapter 119, though, uh, the, entire past, the entire chapter is about 
the, the scriptures, the word of God, the whole, every verse in there, except maybe for one or two. I don't remember the, the number there. But out of all of those verses, there's only a couple that don't mention God's word. But look at verse 15. Psalm chapter 119 and verse 15. And, and the word we're going to look for in here should be pretty obvious, but I'll give it to you right now. Meditate. Verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. Which I have loved. Do you love the commandments of God? And I'm ta- my commandment is do this. Do this. It's a command. And I love it, is what the psalmist is saying here. Do you. Uh, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 78, let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Mine eyes, have pre- mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Meditate, meditate, meditate. Think on these things. You know what the word sila in the Psalms means? Meditate on this. Think about it. Stop. It, now, remember, the Psalms were music. They were, they were hymns to be sung, uh, or psalms to be sung. And in the music, I was looking at this uh, last night, but in the music, the word selah means pause and think about what was just saying. Pause and let the piano play or let the instruments play and then start back up. How long of a pause? It's not like a quarter note, a quarter rest. It's a pause and let the pe- people meditate on what was just said and then we'll pick back up. But Selah, think about this. Think about it. Meditate on it. All right. So we have to be constantly feeding, but we also have to submit to the shepherd's control. And I think, I think we, have, we also have a problem with this, submitting, surrendering our lives. Um, I think it's easy to say, and, and we often do. Uh, we sing it all the time. It's played all the time at invitations. I surrender all. But do we? We have to submit to the shepherd's control. Allow him to lead us without putting up a fight. Um, perfect example. Cats don't walk on leashes. Some might, but not mine. And my cat, every night, I've told you all this, goes with us on a walk with the dog. It follows right along with us. Well, Emma decided when, one time she's going to put a leash on the cat. And it almost hung itself jumping off the... I mean, it just went crazy over this leash. It has not submitted to the leash, Right? And I think sometimes we do that. I'll follow God on my own time. I'll do it. I'll do it. And we don't follow. And God has to kind of leash us and bring us back. And we fight it and we fight it and we fight it. We've got to submit uh, to the shepherd's control. The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the safer they're going to be. But, but we don't get close. Uh, we don't submit to that control. We've we got to do it ourselves. Uh, we must. And the, and the key word there is must. It's it's imperative it's paramount that we submit and follow the shepherd's leading that's what what doc just mentioned the leading of the holy spirit you have to submit he's not going to force you to follow he doesn't do it now he he goes after his sheep and tries to rein them in and tries to get them back on the path but he doesn't force it we have to submit uh to to that leading um we know this song he leadeth me O blessed thought O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Um, 
in Psalm 1, chapter 139, verse 24, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer. That should be our prayer. Um, not just because I don't have the wisdom, I don't know which way to go. Lead me, God. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's submission, that's surrender. Um, and I think a lot of times the reason God doesn't lead us is because even when we pray that, we know in the back of our mind, except for this, I'm not doing this. That's one thing I can't, and we don't say that. And, and we may not even think, I'm not doing that. But we know in the back of our minds, I'm not, that's not something I'm going to do. And so will he lead us if, we, if he already knows we're not truly surrendered? Um, no, he doesn't. That's the grieving the Holy Spirit uh, for another lesson. Secondly, we have to follow the shepherd's lead. So we have to submit, and then we have to follow. We can't say, wherever you want me to go, God, you lead me, and then never, ever move. Right? We have to follow, and that, that takes action. Um, we have to keep moving or become stagnant, and that's what, that's what pastor talks about all the time, um, a used-to Christian. Man, I used to do this, and I used to do that, and, I, and sometimes I find myself in that category. We came from uh, a church, the church that we grew up in. We were busy, 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 and we're busy now, but we were, you know, we ran a bus route, and we just, we uh, work parties and uh, coming into the, to the church to work and, and all that. And I think sometimes, man, I, when we used to run the bus, this happened. When we used to do, don't be used to. When we become stagnant, uh, when we stop moving, we become stagnant. You ever seen a, a body of water or a, a river that, that kind of dries up and there's still some deep spots, but the water has stopped moving? What does it do? It's rancid. It's, it's, it, it can't be drunk. It can't be, it's good for nothing. In fact, it's not just good for nothing, it's harmful. Don't touch it. Stay out of it. You're going to get a, get a bacterial infection or something because it stopped moving and it becomes stagnant. Um, I, I was reading this story, but um, kind of what I started mentioning uh, at the beginning. But sheep, every time they, anything they, when they graze, they eat everything down to the roots. And if, you, if a shepherd leaves them there, they actually, they'll kill everything. So back in the, in the uh, early west uh, of America, a lot of, you know, we always played cowboys and Indians growing up, right? The cowboys and Indians did fight, but not much. They didn't really fight each other. The Indians were always fighting the U.S. military, and the cowboys were always fighting the, sh the shepherds. That's who they were fighting. And the reason was, it's actually called the Range Wars, if you ever go and look it up. It's called the Range Wars. And they were fighting over range to graze their cattle or their sheep. But the, sh the shepherds had to keep their sheep moving or they would kill everything there. So they would push their herds into what the cowboys said was their range, and then they would be fighting. Uh, but that was the reason for it. They had to keep them moving. If they didn't, they there would be nothing left for any of them. And, uh, but that's what we need to do as Christians, constantly be moving. Don't, don't remember a time when, man, I had you know, revival 10 years ago in my life. Man, it was great. But it's been 10 years. You're, you're, we're stagnant. We're not moving. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. But grow in grace. Grow. That, that doesn't stop. We keep on growing. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. We're constantly moving. We're pushing uh, in a good way, pushing the envelope. See what more we can do. See what more we can accomplish. See how much closer I can get to God. And, and I, 
the, the danger is uh, trying to be holy so that other people see my example or other people see me. And I don't think that we, we don't think that in our minds, but often when you see somebody that's really walking with God, man, look at that guy. That's not why he's doing it. He's not doing it so that it's a good example, but he's not doing it so for you to see. He's doing it to, to grow closer to God, to be more useful for God. Press toward the mark. Grow in grace. We need to constantly be moving. But the second thing here in our moving is to not follow the crowd. Um, I read a story. It was in the USA, uh, USA Today article. It said in, in uh, Turkey, there was a whole herd of sheep. And the shepherds left for whatever reason for, for a little while. They left. And when they came back, the sheep were jumping off of this cliff, just one after another after another. 1,500 sheep jumped off this cliff. And 450 of them died because the other ones were landing on sheep, so they weren't dying. But they were, all of them jumped off the cliff. You know why? Because one did. One jumped off the cliff, so the next one jumped. So the next one jumped. So Don't follow the crowd. Sheep are followers. We need to be, and we need to be good followers uh, of the shepherd that God has given us, the under-shepherd. But don't just follow because everybody's doing it, right? Um, some of you may, may have read this article or seen, seen this, but uh, you, may, you may recognize the name Greg Locke. Um, but he was, at one time, I, I guess, considered a pretty strong Baptist, uh, maybe, maybe kind of radical, but hey, we're considered radical too. But Greg Locke, wrote a book against Benny Hinn's healing ministries, right? And you know what happened just recently? Greg Locke has partnered up with Benny Hinn and said, I didn't realize how much these healing ministries actually, they're good. He, he has now flipped and he's on Benny Hinn's side and, and the side of these healing ministries and the Pentecostal movement and all the rest of that. Why? Following the crowd. Wow, they're seeing a lot of success. Then I need to go do that to be successful. Um, we can't follow the crowd. Second Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the th things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We don't answer for somebody else. We answer for ourselves. And uh, so don't just follow the crowd because, hey, everybody's doing it. I guess I'll do that too. And, and that's... Maybe a lesson for our teenagers. Don't just follow the, the peer pressure, but it's a lesson for us too. Don't get caught up in, in, in maybe a doctrine that's, that's false because everybody's doing it. It must be right. A perfect example I think of right now is, is the, uh, the, the Bible version thing. There's a lot of people that even we would have run in the same crowds that are all of a sudden saying, well, you know, Bible versions don't really matter. Kids, I went to a Bible college, and I went to a, a strong Bible college um, who are now saying and writing books about uh, the King James Version's not necessarily the translation. What, why? Because it's popular. So they're following this crowd of, well, I guess we'll, we'll do that too. It's easier to get people in when you're not KJV only. Uh, and that's just one example. But then lastly and quickly, we remain in the shepherd's care, abide uh, in the shepherd's care. And there's a lot of verses about that abiding uh, in him. Uh, but I, I thought I was thinking about this sheep. Uh, you know, you've had however you decide to say it, gyros or gyros or whatever the food is. But I call it gyros. Um, but, you know, that's what you, you make gyros with with sheep. 
uh, uh, yeah, what's it called? Mutton. Mutton? Yeah. You make, you make euros with mutton, which is lamb meat. But that's not what sheep are for. Sheep are for, uh, they give a lot while they're alive. You know, all their, 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 their wool uh, and, and all the rest of that. And, and that's how we should be as Christians. We don't want to just leave a legacy. We want to give, 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 not just our money, our time, our talents, our effort, our service, our example, everything. Give, 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 give while we're alive. And that was kind of free. That doesn't have anything to do with remaining in the shepherd's care. But I wrote that down because that must have been where I thought about it while I was studying. But we give uh, while we're alive here. But we depend, remaining in the shepherd's care, we depend on his protection. We know this. Sheep cannot protect themselves. That's why you see the story of David. He goes after the bear. He goes after the lion. Without him protecting him, those sheep were done. Uh, and it's, that's how we are. Now, we are, re- we are told, and we already talked about this when we talked about being a soldier, uh, to resist the devil and to, to fight him. Um, but we really don't have any protection of our own. We need the shepherd's protection. On our own, again, going back to my example of Emma, because that's what I know, I can't. And I told her, I know you can't. You can't stop doing that. You can't fight against it. But with God's help, you can. So we need the shepherd's protection. Uh, We depend on it. And then we also depend on his promises. And I'm skipping through some here. But we depend on his promises. And we have a lot of those. Um, In everything, the sheep trust the shepherd. When the shepherd starts walking, the sheep aren't looking to see what I don't think there's any grass over there. When we went by there yesterday, there's nothing over there. They just follow. They just go that way because they trust the shepherd. And that's what we have to do. We, we trust the promises of his presence. Uh, Psalm chapter 37, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. That's a great promise. They're preserved forever. Uh, we have the promise of his peace. And there's lots of verses in the Bible about that. But John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is that? It's a promise from our shepherd of peace uh, in our lives that we can have. Unfortunately, we don't always have it as Christians because we let things get in the way. We let ourselves get worried. Um, John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In me is the key there. Not that ye just might have peace, but in me ye might have peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Be anxious about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The next verse, though, says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then lastly, we have the promise of his return, and then we'll be done. But um, that is something, that's something we can hang our hats on. We have John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and you can write them down if you're taking notes, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. But the very last phrase of, chap- of 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 says this, or the, the last verse, verse 18. Wherefore, all this promise of his return, wherefore, comfort one another, with these words. And it is a comfort. It's a comfort that that the shepherd is coming back for us um, to to end all of this that we deal with on on this earth, the pain, the sickness. And, uh, you know, I I think that 
I have a pretty positive outlook on life, but guess what? I'm healthy. God's given me a decent job. God's given me a decent family. God's given me a great church uh, body. I have great fellowship here. But there is going to come a time, uh, Zach just preached on this, we're going to go through trials. And when you go through those trials, comfort, one, comfort me with these words. He's coming again. He's coming again for me. Um, these are just a sample of the exceeding, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the exceeding great and precious promises. Those are just a sample, and there's millions of them. Maybe not millions, but hundreds of them in God's word. Great and precious promises. Not just great, precious to the believer. Um, and do like that lady did. Try them and prove them. Try them and prove them. See if these promises hold up when, that God has given us. Um, but Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to finish with this verse. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. Joshua's dying. He's, he's getting ready to pass off the seed. And he says, I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. We can trust our shepherd. Not one thing, Joshua said. Everything God said he was going to do, he did. And you can, you can take that to the bank is what he's saying. Go, go talk to each other. There's not one thing that God failed in uh, because we can trust him. He's, a, he's our good shepherd. But just quickly in conclusion, we have to feed on his word. Then we have to do what his word tells us. And does this sound like a theme that we keep on hearing in these metaphors? Hear it, do it, and then trust in that shepherd. You, you can't trust me. Uh, I, like, I feel like I'm trustworthy. I wouldn't lie to you, if, uh, I, I hope. But you can't, you can't trust me. You, get, you trust your shepherd. He's the only one that will never, ever, ever fail us. Um, whether it seems like our life is going good or it seems like we're in a tough spot, trust the shepherd. Stay close to him. And uh, even more so when we are going through a tough time, stay close to the shepherd. He always has not just our best interest in mind, but he always has us in mind. He loves us. And with that still small voice, he's leading us, he's guiding us. But we have to, we have to submit and we have to listen and, and follow what he's telling us to do. The good shepherd, the sheep of his flock. Um, and, I, and I give you these lessons, and I hope that um, hopefully you write some of the points down, some of the verses down, and go back and use them for your devotion. I was thinking about this last night when I was looking over this lesson that, man, I wonder if, you know, every single lesson, there's so, there's so much there. Does, does everybody really take it all in in 30 minutes? I would try if you uh, wasn't so fast. If, you, if I wasn't so fast? <laughs> there's a lot here. Go back and listen to the live stream again. But that's what I, my point is that there's so much here. Take, go back and, and, and listen to the live stream. I don't like listening to myself, but... Um, Get the verses and use that for your devotion time. And, and take the lessons that we have in Sunday school and use that for your devotion through the week. Um, and I know you like reading your, your own portions of the Bible and maybe people have their own devotion things. But uh, you're not going to be able to take it all in and digest it all in Sunday school. But think about it through the week. Um, anyways, let's pray and we will be dismissed and get ready for the next service. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for being the shepherd that that we need, that we must have. God, I pray that you'd forgive us where we uh, get hard-headed and, and stubborn.
try to do things our own way. I pray that you just help us to be good followers, uh, that we would read in your word the commandments and the promises and just do them. And uh, God, I pray that we would uh, just be able to, to taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good and uh, that you want the best for us. God, I pray that you'd help us to continue to grow. God, even if it's just small baby steps here and there through the week, I pray that you'd help us never to become stagnant and just rest on what we have, but that we'd always be trying to grow, trying to be an example, trying to be uh, a servant, trying to be the best we can be uh, for your body here uh, with the talents that you've given us. pray that you'd be with the next hour, be with our pastor as he preaches, that you'd fill him with your power and give us exactly what we need uh, to carry us through this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.